I didn't just watch Michael Jordan as a kid. I loathed Michael Jordan as a kid. I was and still am the world's best Laker fan. You know that. Lakers all day, foreign blue and gold, Magic Johnson, Michael Cooper, let's fucking go. But now, the Lakers had already lost the 1989 finals of the Pistons, and then the Pistons won again in 90. But I was a dumb kid. I thought the Lakers still had something left in the tank. I believe the Lakers were on their way back to a title. Kareem had retired and Riles left the team, but Magic was still in his prime. Worthy was an all-star. Hell, even AC Green made an all-star team. So when 90 became 91 and the Bulls finally beat the Pistons to make Jordan's first finals, again, dumb kid Neil believed wholeheartedly the Lakers were going to hang another banner in the forum. But Chicago and Phil Jackson figured out LA. Scotty guarded Magic. Michael took over and it was a five-game series, Mike's first title. I didn't know it at the time because, again, dumb. But Michael Jordan signaled the death of Magic Johnson's era. I didn't take that kindly because Magic was everything to me. There was even this rumored one-on-one game between the two of them, Michael and Magic, around this time. I remember thinking Michael might actually kill Magic Johnson in one-on-one. They might play this game and Michael would murder Magic and then my favorite player would be exposed and gone forever. Again, last time, very dumb kid. So now here we are, 1992 NBA Finals. Clyde Drexler's Portland Trailblazers made it out of the West. Michael Jordan made his second straight championship series with the Bulls. Game one is in Chicago, and Mike blew the doors off the joint. Beautiful fadeaways. Mike's jackknifing all over the court. He's in full control. And then came the threes. Now, this is 1992. Nobody's taking the three-point shot at this time. Nobody. So when Mike started popping threes, it was a genuine surprise. And when they started going in... People started freaking out. Two threes became three, three became four, and then five, and then six three-pointers in the first half. And with the crowd and the TV announcers in full disbelief, Michael Jordan looked to the sideline and shrugged. And everyone saw it. And even though Mike may not have known what was happening in that moment, everyone else did. Even a dumb kid like me. Michael Jordan was taking over the NBA, and he wasn't giving it back. Michael Jordan shrugged today on First Ballot. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and decides if they're good enough for induction into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Neil, a.k.a. Gotham Coach, the long-lost Gasol brother, the Glass City Cobra, the podcast Jordan Clarkson, half Filipino, half not Filipino, all Jolly B. I'm not the biggest Lakers fan. I am the best Lakers fan. Mr. Not Always Right, but never, ever wrong. Coming to you live. From the Shaquille O'Neal branded Office Depot big and tall executive suite desk chair, the first ballot Hall of Fame podcast is brought to you by... 
Ball is Life and the Ball is Life Podcast Network. This podcast available on your favorite podcast platform, all because Ball is Life makes it happen. Follow at Ball is Life on all social platforms. Michael Jordan Shrug is a great sports moment. We know that. We're not debating that. But what we don't know is if the Shrug is a first ballot Hall of Fame moment. We're going to debate the merits of that moment today. And here to do it with me is one of this podcast's finest guests. His episode was one of the most listened to episodes of this program. We're thankful for that. We're thankful he's back. Let's go through the credits. First off, one of the best to ever do it on the bird. World-class tweeter. Really jump-started his media career off Twitter. Next, the True Wither Show on YouTube. Scoob, make the tears as good as it gets. Then he's covering MMA for Underdog Fantasy. Fantastic. Now, Sheed and Tyler, the brand new podcast from Underdog Fantasy, starring NBA super legend Rashid Wallace. You got to check it out. Our guest today puts the Tyler in Sheed and Tyler. Tyler, he is. It's the incomparable Mr. Trill Withers. What an intro, man. What an intro every time. Listen, Happy to be here. Thank you for having me, sir. Thank you for coming back. Your first episode, wildly successful for us, for our program. You established during that episode the concept of the elite kikir. Collection <laughs> <laughs> Jack, an elite kikir. That is a phrase. The, the concept of a kikir is a phrase that will live with me forever. Introduced into the lexicon by Troll Withers. Another feather for your cap. I'm honored, man. Always honored. We bonded, I believe, forever over a mutual and genuine love of Stromile Swift's dunk on Tyrus Thomas. Yes. I had an out-of-body experience. I asked you last episode, what's your favorite dunk? I looked at you, had an out-of-body experience, thought to myself, well, he might see Stromile Swift's dunk over Tyrus Thomas. And then you did. World-class dunk. It was during, uh, most more important, uh, towards the end of the show, so we didn't get to talk about it more. I pulled the audio from that dunk, and I'd like to listen for you and I to listen to that together and just have oh, some let's fun do and it. talk about it. Here we go. A very famous uh, Marv Albert call on this dunk because they're playing the Nets, and Marv was calling the Nets game. But this is from the Chicago guys, Stacy King and company. Let's listen to it together. Swift drives in, oh, and he just hammered that baby. Monster. Oh, my goodness. That was a headache right there. He reared Ooh. back, and their bench is going crazy still. Your thoughts on that? If you didn't know what happened and you only heard that noise, <laughs> like what would you think of it? Like you would, I would have thought like the the stanchion fell on him. Oh my goodness, that's on his head. Oh, that's a murder. Like <laughs> that's how good dead. the dunk is. Yeah, Stromile Swift killed that man. That's how good the audio alone is. And you add in the visual, which we've discussed and. I regret to inform it's probably still my favorite dunk of all time. It's so good. The you you mentioned last episode, it's the best sounding dunk. I wholeheartedly agree with that. There's something about you compared it last episode to gunfire. I agree with that. There's something about the crunch of the springs early. Let's listen to that. Swift drive. Oh. So that, that that's just crunch of springs right there. That's just initial impact. He's about to let go of the hoop. Let's listen to that. There it is, that thunk, that good, hearty thunk of him letting go. The rims don't sound like that anymore. They don't sound like that anymore. I don't know if it's the spring, new metal, or whatever Silver's got going on, but the rims, they don't, I don't think they sound like that anymore. 
I want microphones on every part of the basket and I want the volume turned up a couple decibels across the entire game. I don't care if it's too loud. I want to hear basket sounds uh, for that exact reason. It's an absolute annihilation. I also, the, what I like about that call is the, whoever that is from Chicago, that's like monster. That baby. Monster. Oh my goodness. Monster. That- <laughs> really- you gotta rev that one up. Monster. <laughs> And I appreciate having Stacy King on a call like that too. For him to be like, that's a headache. Um, that's just fantastic. A great call from the Chicago guys on that. Stromile Swift Dunk. Stromile, I want Stromile to come on this show. When when we get Stromile, we'll have to have you back because we got to talk. I want to just talk for an hour about that dunk and about all of his dunks. And he does the hand thing too, like whatever that hand celebration bird thing What's is. So, he probably doesn't even, he's like, yeah, I, don't, I dunk on people like that all, literally all my life. He's like, oh, I've been doing that since I was God. seven years old. I don't remember this one. <laughs> the one you, you two guys will never forget. I've, I've never thought about it a second time. <laughs> That'd be the coolest fucking thing he could ever say. <laughs> uh, last time we table set your favorite sport, NBA basketball, favorite team, University of Kentucky Wildcats. Favorite athlete, Randy Moss, Barry Larkin. Uh, you also threw out, uh, threw out Mike Vick. Uh, what, let's, can we talk quickly about Rasheed Wallace, uh, Sheed and Tyler? Sure. What's Rasheed like? He's a terrible human being. Man. He's just a bad <laughs> – no. Uh, Sheed is great. He's – like people – I hope people will tap in for the stories, but he is such an interesting person mm-hmm. independent mm-hmm. of basketball. So I feel like that's the – if I – I feel like that's my job yeah. to pull that side at them to show people that part. They know the the stories and they they are crazy stories, but I don't know. He's he lives a fascinating life, and I hope we can get into some of that. Yeah, the the it's if you tell me Rasheed Wallace is going to do a podcast, I go. There's going to be a fantastic story from in every episode that's going to go viral. That's going to drive people back to listening to the full episode. Just from listening to him, to you guys, and a couple of the clips that are already out, I go, you being able to pull things out of him, like him in an unabated format where like there's no rules. It's not – he doesn't have to stop talking. He doesn't have to – go he's comfortable with you he's not on nbc sitting in front of camera across from you know marv albert or whoever it is he can be comfortable he can be himself he can give his true thoughts i listened to him talking about you you asking him about where the fine money goes i want to go oh my god (laughs) because i don't know where the fine money goes either did you guys after you stop recording do you guys talk a little bit more about the fine money what is your general thought on where the fine money goes fantastic job getting she to talk about the fine money I it's fascinating because it I did in my mind I don't know if I ate some garbage a long time ago or read an article heard a podcast something I thought it was like these guys pay fines and at the end of the year for the most part you get it back mm. you either get it back they put it back on your check you might get some of it back so that's why guys weren't really too pressed about it mm-hmm. but to now hear that guys just have no idea where it's going that's kind of crazy no like even if if they just said it's going right into Adam Silver's helicopter fund. <laughs> You know something. You know more than we. Uh, we, right. uh, we don't know where it's going. So I now nah, we we might need to do like some some boots on the ground expose work. I was just gonna say, and literally any chance you guys get um, to bring that up to him, I just stoke <laughs> that fire one more time. See what he might have to say 
get him to start asking the tough questions. Just get him to the edge there, and then you step back and be like, "Hey, what did I listen?" She took over and started asking all these hard questions. Let's let's get an answer to them. It's it really is true. I don't know where that money goes. What is? Let me put it this way: is what is the percentage chance you believe some of the money? taken from player fines have been misappropriated for personal reasons oh hi yeah high. hi high 100 percent. 10 out of that whatever scale I, because yeah it, even if they were saying this is going to nba cares or whatever we've seen how those funds be misappropriated. not even right. just for the nba just right. in general that feels like yeah. a catch-all so if they're not even giving that guys then the misappropriation level is probably in the red. You really got it. You you got to make that a, a pillar of your show. Is like <laughs> find out where the fine money. It's yeah. it's, th- it's tens of thousands of dollars for these guys. Probably hundreds of thousands. You know what I'm saying? Depending on how much you, how long you play and how much you get into it, and to just have no idea where. Like at least Uncle Sam, if you know what's going, on, Uncle Sam. Right. This you just have no idea. It really is crazy to think about because. When, as a fan, when you see a guy get teed up or thrown out or whatever, or they say a fine came in, it you, you literally dismiss it. You couldn't care mm-hmm. less. You go ten thousand dollar fine. Who gives a shit? It's the NBA, and and it and to I mean I don't not to dismiss all of the fantastic players and NBA superstars who make this money, but to a certain extent, it is nothing to them. For but sure, ten thousand dollars is a big chunk of money for literally everyone else on the planet. Someone to and to think. I have to think this way. Someone went to Hawaii on Rashid Wallace's dime. Had to have. Absolutely. Or the, he covered the the annual luncheon for somebody. <laughs> he yeah. covered the the transportation for everybody from the hotel to the airport. Yes. It, some of those funds God. feel like they inevitably ended up there. I'd love to know where that money goes. We got it. We got it. Who can we? Get? We got to get a disgruntled former NBA employee to come on. And, and tell us those stories. It's a fantastic uh, gambit for you guys. Keep doing it forever. Uh, the we're, We got to dive into the moment. There's a lot to listen to in this episode. It's a fantastic moment picked by Trill. Michael Jordan shrug. Uh, I just, in sort of prepping for this episode, I went on ESPN, looked up scores or whatever. I think it was uh, after the Lakers, my Lakers, won the in-season tournament. Congratulations, Congratulations on Thank that, you. by the way. Thank yeah. you so much, I'm, very proud of it. Not like hang a banner proud at, at crypto.com, but I understand that the Lakers maybe were asked to do that. Uh, but anyways, I go on ESPN, and the first clip I see, Michael Gallup hits the Jordan shrug against the Eagles. I, I guess Michael Gallup is a Cowboys wide receiver. I don't know much about the football. But um, uh, hits the Jordan shrug against the Eagles. Circumstances are totally different. I'm like, oh, I wonder what Gallup, like, if he had a crazy game. I think he caught like two balls and one of them was for. You talk about misappropriation. (laughs) Can't do that after two for 24, whatever he. (laughs) It was a nice catch, a pivotal catch, but come on. I guess the point is you can't shrug anymore in sports without it being directly tied and attributed to Michael Jordan. True or false? True. That's a fact. That's why I'm saying it was misappropriated because it's like, yeah, you can't shrug after two. It could have been the best catch ever. It wasn't the moment we'll get into. That alone, that being the, I don't know how old Michael Gallup is, but I'm willing to guarantee he was not born. Like He's he's in the NFL currently. I'm willing to bet he was not alive when that happened. So maybe that's not what he was thinking of. But us old hags, 
Not unlike ourselves. That's what we think of. So that's what my mind went to. It's really crazy to think about a guy owning a shrug, like a like a move that that is that like that's not really a sports thing. Like as I think about other like movements uh, that are sort of owned by someone, I think about like that hand up to your ear Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. thing. That's like a good one. But that's like a, an obvious thing. It's like no one else right. would do that for any other reason other than like trying to, you know, fire up a crowd. But a shrug, literally anybody could shrug at any point in the day, anywhere in life. And now that's basically Michael Jordan's thing. If you do that in sports, yeah, that's Michael Jordan's mm-hmm. copyright. Michael Jordan, 1992. That's the influence. That's the, the impact. Let's get into this. Uh, to decide whether Michael Jordan's shrug goes into the first ballot Hall of Fame, we have to go through our Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge our moment. The first credential, as always, analytics, stats, numbers. Here are some of the numbers behind this moment. Michael Jordan played 34 minutes. He was 16 of 27, 6 of 10 from deep, 39 points, 3 boards, 11 assists, 2 steals. The Bulls won game one. 122 to 89. Uh, Trill, do you remember how this series went? Do you remember what the Bulls, obviously the Bulls won, but do you remember how many games? Six is what I have in my head. That's right. I would have said five, but you're right. It's six. Portland won game two in Chicago after this breakout game. I mean, this Portland team was a, like a good team for that era. This is going into the Dream Team Olympics, and y'all know it because on the opening broadcast, they have the Olympics the five rings. That's right. On there. So this is just weeks away. And Drexler is, uh, he's being painted as, uh, he was first team all NBA. I can't, I can't even say painted. He was a phenomenal player. And it's like, he's going against the guy, but we didn't know he was the guy. Like we have all the hindsight of the shrug. That's just one of the moments at the time he had won a ring, but the guy he had won it against was calling the game. Yes. Magic Johnson sitting there calling the game on the sidelines the year after they had played it so just knowing how the internet and how people's minds work you know there was like they were calling it a bubble ring for jordan i imagine they saying it's not real magic's not playing they were old you know what i'm saying they're discounting that so all that going into game one what what do you miss about 90s basketball you what do you that's I th- i'm gonna leave it right there i don't want to lead you what do you miss about 90s basketball the presentation yeah it's i don't know what it is I, you know, it's, I watched the entire game, and I was really trying to study. It also, maybe it's just I, – I asked you a question, and now I've taken over. Maybe it's just that we're old, and we look back at it so fondly. But there's what makes it so good? But I totally agree with you. What makes the presentation of it so good? Like, it, it feels like a moment. Mm. Like, they're leading up like this is – game one i think now and like every game has a million cameras right it's hard to feel like this is game one of the finals back then it's like oh yeah now you you might not have seen portland all year depending where you live you might not have seen chicago depending where you live this is an event this feels like an event it's presented like an event like the 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 graphics the design the overlays the transitions ahmad rashad Mm. i thought he just adds a touch of class totally to it, you got Marv Albert, who was pro- like in his prime. I would imagine, like his announcing <laughs> prime, where it just, I don't know, it just feels like an event. It's just a clean presentation. It's just Bulls, that's it. In the yeah. old Finals logos on the court, yes. they're beautiful. It's just a very like, simplistic yes. look. It's but classic. It's very clean. Yes, I, I, I totally want to echo everything that you just said. Uh, not the least of which is 
Marv, Mike Fratello, Magic, Ahmad Rashad. He's going to come up. We're going to talk about Ahmad a bunch in this episode. The music. Oh, I can play mm. this music. My God, I can play this. Why not? Why not play this? Here we go. Uh... This is the NBA on NBC. You're right. There's really like a... The lack of cameras and coverage before, like you're not seeing, you know, you're not inundated by coverage and, you know, cell phone footage of every player walking in the gym. Like you're, you're right. There's your little bits withheld from you. And so you, when you walk into this game, you are like really excited and jonesing for this thing to start. There is something just phenomenal about the old coverage. It's amazing. Absolutely. Like Ahmad Rashad is telling, you know, about how Jordan is feeling. This is news now. It wouldn't have been news because it would have we would have had ten cameras on him beforehand. Right. Woj would have broke it beforehand. He would have tweeted about talking. You know, we would have been no, no entry, no mystery. I also like, and I want to get your thoughts on this. I like seeing more mid range and post up basketball. It just is like a. It's it's a different flavor of sport. And now it's mm-hmm. like all threes and all driving to the baskets. And I get why that makes sense, why that For makes sure. logical analytical sense. But I miss seeing a guy go like the bulls did such a nice job during this game of Jordan obviously gets his in the first half. And then that third quarter, they really start spreading it around. Pippen gets off. They're going into Cartwright. Cliff Livingston is dunking basketballs. Like they're spreading the ball around and it just feels, and they're scoring from all over. And I just, I like, I don't care if, if the team doesn't score 130 points, I like seeing different styles and kinds of basketball within the game. And I feel like you just don't see that much anymore. What's wild is the Bulls playing that style. What did they score? Would you say 120 something? 122. So it's like you play that style, you'll get your yeah, your open looks, and it's definitely like now it's it's they play math, not bad. Again, I'm just That's gonna right. sound old all the show. They play <laughs> math, not basketball. But you would see before, like Jordan misses first couple of shots, so you That's see right. him go to the mid range. You see them work them in the post. You see them like start a first shot of the game. Uh, it's Kevin Duckworth. The second shot of the game is Bill Cartwright. Game full of future Hall of Famers, and those are the first two shots for the first game of the NBA Finals. Because it's like, yeah, you have to establish your big man. Yes. Keep him invested. Now it's like, we can't do that. That's He should be shooting a three. Like, that's a punted shot. What is that, though? Like, because you're right. And even just hear you, hearing you say that sentence, we have to establish our big men. Because Duckworth and Cartwright weren't big parts of either of these teams. It, what, they weren't a big deal. But there, there is something lovely about we have to establish this guy and make sure that he's eating, too, and you know, getting a little bit of activity because then he's going to stay engaged on the defensive end of the court. Mm-hmm. That stuff is kind of lost now when it's just all – pick and roll high pick and rolls you know driving kicks you know pull it out to the corner three for on a fast break mm-hmm. you i appreciate you being the guy to sound so old on this podcast but i couldn't agree more with you <laughs> i i there is a loss of i don't know what that is i can't put my finger on what it is i'll keep thinking about it but there is a loss of that style that i really really miss i really loved it and i really miss it i i think I hope that it's one of those situations where it feels like the car was way off the road in terms of analytics, of not, not paying Mm -hmm. attention to analytics. And now we've got that, 
that influx of analytics and, and, and the drivers jerking the wheel back to get the car back on the road. And we're going to drive over some bodies to get the street back, the car back on the street. <laughs> but eventually I hope things even out and we can straighten out the wheel and get a little bit more of the basketball that I grew up with back into the game. This is the oldest I've ever sounded on this podcast, but it's just the, <laughs> how I feel. The trailblazers made their first seven shots of this game. Trill mentioned Jordan didn't start off well, which this is like a perfect, uh, the shrug game is like a perfect moment for me in that I remember the shrug vividly. I, You can all, as you're listening to this, picture what Michael Jordan is doing. Picture the shot that you see of Michael Jordan shrugging. I'm thinking of the exact same thing. I remember the shrug vividly. What I didn't remember was what really happened. I did not remember that Jordan started the game one of four and missed mm -hmm. his first two three-pointers. Mm -hmm. And he also missed his last three-point shot of the game, which absolutely nobody remembers. So it, it really started cold and then obviously came on. In the second quarter, Jordan made his first seven shots of that quarter, but they weren't consecutive, which blew me away. Because I'm like thinking, maybe the shrug comes at the end of Jordan hitting six or seven shots in a row. He right. did make seven straight shots, but they weren't consecutive because B.J. Armstrong is coming down and getting shots up. I, I almost was like appalled at the fact that the Bulls teammates were taking shots in the middle of what felt like a Michael Jordan run. Did you get that same feeling? Somewhat, but then I had to I had to check myself. I was like, "Am I being? Is that is this my modern basketball right brain?" Because right. the more one of the more impressive things is he's cooking. Like if you take away those six three, he's still just cooking from everywhere. everywhere. He getting it in transition, tip slams. Like he's just getting his, but within the flow of the offense. Totally. I think like in my head, maybe it, I'll blame the last dance, but in my head it was like, yeah, no, he came in. He hit six straight to right. start the game. He right. struggled. They were down 18 nothing. That was the end of the game. The, the Trailblazers went home after that. And it's like, no, Portland started really hot. Jordan started cold. And as they, it feels like as they worked the offense, it feels like as Pippen had the ball, really, as that started, Michael, jo Michael Jordan would walk into wide open shot after wide open shot. He really did uh, have a number of absolutely gorgeous plays the mm -hmm. fadeaways that half sort of you know fake on, on the post he's faking with that right shoulder and turning back over the left and that that flick of his wrist and the gigantic hand and that fingertip control just beautiful gorgeous basketball and shots and again as Trill said from all over the court it is beautiful and it is a sustained dominance rather than some sort of crazy run the shrug is really the punctuation on a just a phenomenal uh, back half of the first quarter and second and a phenomenal second quarter the entire uh, time that he played. It really is amazing. Chicago's up 66 to 51 at half. Uh, the fourth quarter, third quarter, pardon. Jordan has four points and barely plays in the fourth. Ends up finishing again 16 of 27. Uh, Jordan had made only 27. But he had th 33 points. 39. 39. I was going to say, that's a, that's a bad game now. 27 points, 30. What's his true shooting? What's his effective field goal percentage? Who knows? <laughs> uh, Jordan only had 27 made three-pointers all season long. 27 all season long. He has six and a half. Jordan only had five made threes in 16 previous playoff games in his career up until this point. 
The math was right, Neil. The the math was right. I I'm, I I just keep sitting here going, why, why? Well, they got to move the three point line back. They got to move the three point line back. <laughs> I don't know why that's not very very obvious. Because nobody's still taking like a thing they're saying early on is like Portland's the team that takes, you know, like the most threes in the game. They're taking like eleven threes. It's like they're by far and away leading the league. It's like Terry Porter, three point sniper. He's in like two a game. <laughs> so now Snyder, he's in a bit high percentage, but it just wasn't. I don't know the 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 car. We were still off the road yet. We still hadn't overcorrected yeah. that. Yeah, three is yeah. way more than two in these terms. Uh, MJ had 19 minutes in the first half and outscored the entire Blazers starting five, 35 to 31. First half, Jordan over the Blazers starting five. Uh, Jordan in this in the series. So again, I'm like thinking the shrug is the moment from this entire finals. Only not. I don't mean to dismiss the 39, but he only had 39 in game one. In game two, he has 39 again, and in game five, he has 46. Again, if you're, you know, when as I'm thinking about, does this shrug go into the first ballot Hall of Fame? Obviously, it's super cool that he did it. Obviously, it's super memorable. But like, are the stats there? 39. It's a great game, but it wasn't his best game of this finals. It wasn't, but that's it's a bar that Michael Jordan has set that high. That's true. You know what I mean? And even I think it's a testament that he has that many 39 plus <laughs> performances in a final in a short game series. And it's like, yeah, you got to have something to like. That's the that's the memorable one. Like the the people can't see it, right? It's off camera, but I've got a it's artwork. Uh, my friend Nick Trigg did, and it's like the singular moment from each of Jordan's rings. Mm. And the second one is of course it's the shrug. Yeah, because like, what else could it be? What do you remember about him scoring forty seven? What do you remember about thirty nine in this game too? You remember that shrug though. That's probably the best argument for this moment going into the first Bell Hall of Fame because you do remember the shrug and you don't remember anything about the game and it doesn't even fucking matter. Like, I don't remember what he scored until I watched this. I didn't remember hardly anything about this game other than the shrug. And I'll never forget that shrug. I'll never forget who was flying out to guard him. I'll never forget who he turned to. I'll never forget, you know, what color jersey he's wearing. I remember it vividly. Uh, Jordan shot 43% from three over this finals. Averaged almost 36 a game. Averaged almost four boards per game. Six and a half assists and 1.7 steals. Chicago did win its second title. Uh, let me think about, you know, again, with 39 points, do you know who has the most points in an NBA Finals game? Single game? Yeah. That's not Michael Jordan? It, number one is not Michael Jordan. J- Jordan is two. I didn't know this. For fine. I feel like... I want to say somebody random... Like, I have a random uh, Tony Parker. <laughs> That's. I feel like it's somebody... Like, it's going to be Will Chamberlain. But it's like, no, you, y'all don't remember Tony Parker scoring 78 against the Cavaliers. <laughs> I love the idea of Tony Parker being at the heart of random <laughs> Uh Elgin Baylor scored 61 <sighs> in the 61 finals against the Celtics. Uh, Jordan scored 63. That's the highest scoring output in a playoff, playoff. game. Mm-hmm. Elgin had 61 against the Celtics in the finals. Then Jordan had 55. Rick Barry had 55 and took 48 shots to get those 55, which is a blast. Bad math. <laughs> Bad math. LeBron had 51 uh, against the Warriors. Golden State, right? I remember. Game one. That's the one that came to mind. I was like, somebody's got to have more than 51. 
um, most points in a playoff quarter. Because, again, I'm, like, looking at all these things from, like, just a statistical point of view. Like, how great is this game? Maybe I can put together a statistical argument. It's not really here. Again, most points in a playoff game. Elgin Baylor had 61. This was, again, Jordan had 39. Uh, most playoff, most points in a playoff quarter. Sleepy Floyd had 29. Most points in a playoff half. Sleepy Floyd had 39. Most points in a finals quarter. Isaiah had the 25 against the Lakers in 88 on a bad wheel. Most points in a finals half, Michael Jordan, 35 in this game against the Blazers. Uh, most consecutive points by one player against a team in the playoffs, LeBron's 25 in Detroit. Uh, last stat here, I'm going through stats and looking up uh, records in the playoffs and the finals. I found the record for most threes taken in a game with without the player making one. Oh, no. The answer is 12. Somebody, there oh, are God. three guys that took 12 threes in a game and didn't make one. Brooke Lopez, Eric Gordon, and Justin Anderson took 12 threes oh, in a game God, and Anderson. didn't That's make tough. one. That's, I mean, because at a certain point, you're like, I got to make them. After like six, you're like, the next one's, <laughs> next one's going. The next one's going. Then you're 0 for 9. It's like, well, I, I'm not going to miss forever. But maybe you do. <laughs> maybe you do. Maybe, maybe you just miss forever. The record for most missed three-pointers in a game, 16. So that 12 is they were 0 for, 0 for 12. The most missed attempts in a game, most three-pointers attempted and missed in a game is 16. It's happened seven times in the, in the NBA. Damon Stoudemire did it once. And the other six times, <laughs> James Harden. <laughs> Why did I know? I was like, it's not going to be Steph. Even though he takes enough for those, of course it was going to be James Harden. James Harden missed 16 threes six times. See, that's t it's one of those, but if you look, he probably made seven. So it's like, yeah, hey, man, he still finished right. with 48, yeah, yeah, 12, yeah. and 12. <laughs> he just missed 16 threes. That's, I do, when I think about Kevin Durant, uh, I will always feel sick that Kevin Durant didn't have two or three seasons of that, like, permanent green light, that, like, mm. Kobe 05, James Harden, whatever years those were, where it's like, you can literally do whatever you want. We want to see how good you are at the offensive side of basketball. Here, here Go ahead. I, it kills me because I look at KD and go, that's probably the best score I've I've ever seen, and I never felt like I got those that like completely unfettered. Don't worry about anybody else; just go and get yours. No, I agree. I think, but that I don't think we get what makes Kevin Durant yeah. Kevin Durant yeah, without yeah, yeah. that. Like if he had that the mentality, like yeah, let me just see if I could go get forty. He he knows he can. We know he can. He's like I can just like I can be the best decoy ever and still get twenty. So you look up and I've got twenty seven points. That's how good I am at this. Durant's fascinating. Uh, all right, let's keep moving. The next credentials are eye test. What did we see in this moment, Trill? What did you see in the first half of this game that maybe uh, uh, puts this moment in the first Bell Hall of Fame? Well, I mean, the, the shrug in, in itself, of course. Poor RIP and also poor Uncle Cliff Robinson, oh, who just happens no. to be <laughs> yeah. the guy that's always in the background <laughs> of the shrug. That's tough. And I guess the thing... What I saw was, I don't know, like you mentioned, Jordan was one for, would you say one for four starting the game? Start, yeah. There was never a panic. Like, again, as, Port, as Portland was hitting every single shot, like I was watching that game, 
90 seconds into that game, the Bulls have committed three fouls, and Phil Jackson calls a time. 90 seconds of the game, Phil Jackson's like, what the fuck, guys? <laughs> and there's still never a no jitters, no panic. It was never like a we're down Jordan's like, okay, just give me the ball and get out of my way. He was still committed to running the offense, knowing that I'll get my points in transition, knowing that something <laughs> they said on the broadcast, or I couldn't believe they talked about it first quarter. Marv Albert's like, Phil Jackson pointed out that the Portland Trailblazers can't close games. What do we make of that? I was like, oh, my God. Phil Jackson just said that to – that's just first quarter fodder. But as you watch that game, it's like they get a big lead, and every time it gets close, yep. Clyde Drexler is airballing yep. a shot, which led to, I think, Jordan's fifth or sixth three. Somebody's falling down. There's a run and it cuts to Rick Adelman on the sideline, like not calling a timeout, not doing anything. And it's like, and they end up losing that game by what, 30 points? Mm-hmm. So it's like, maybe feel new. Jordan really does have supreme confidence, completely unflappable, in total control of this game. When I watched this game, one thing happened that I was like, oh, this is fascinating. So you were just mentioning the run. Jordan, I think, hits his fifth. Yeah, okay, this is the sequence. Jordan hits his fifth three, and the Trailblazers call a timeout. Mm. The game restarts. Jordan, uh, Pippen gets a steal, misses a layup. Jordan gets that incredible tip dunk. And then Jordan hits his sixth three-pointer, and fucking the Chicago Stadium is on fire. The place is going nuts. And NBC stayed in the arena during that timeout. That was a huge moment. That was awesome, yeah. I don't remember when that stopped, but that will fucking never happen ever again. If if a network has some commercials they can play, they are running those commercials. I don't know what made NBC stay in that game call, but it is an amazing moment. There's cheerleaders with American flag leather jackets, Benny the Bull is swinging a giant flag. There's an old adorable couple that can't get on beat. There's this old white guy, an old white lady, and they can't get on beat with the clapping and stuff. And and you're watching this, and the place is going nuts, and the announcers are doing a wonderful job, and you're watching clips of Phil getting the team together, and Jordan's drinking Gatorade, and Drexler's like got his head in his hands, and it's just like, man, that is a moment of this broadcast. You talked about presentation at the top of the show staying in that time staying in the game broadcast during that timeout made it amazing yeah i think it was at a time i can't remember what i read it was like around that time when people were realizing okay sports is like tv's here sports is tv let's make it a broadcast yeah it's like they were bringing in people that had like movie or play backgrounds and just applying it to sports it was like okay yes this is a presentation like it's all of it it's the sight it's the sound. So if we need to stop for a second and just let the let the crowd breathe. Like you're supposed yes. to part of this as a presentation, you're supposed to feel like you're here. Let's look around. Let's look at yeah, look at the rafters. Look at people up in the, the highest row going crazy, losing their shit right now. That's what made it part of the presentation. And and I completely agree. And Marv Albert as the MC of this. He did such – let's move on to the ear test. What did we hear in this moment? He did such an amazing job calling this game in that Jordan would hit a shot, 
and Marv would leave a little pocket of air to let you hear the arena, and then he'd add something. He just did a fantastic job. Here are Marv's calls on the first, I think it's the first two or three threes of this game. Let's listen to them together. to see Michael bombing away. That's his third three-point attempt. And he finally hits. Jordan for three! Well, Michael has gone to a new weapon. That's his fourth three-point field goal. He's ready to play. Jordan for three! Yes! music the the music all of that corny like j- rock jock what do they call that shit jock rock what do they call uh, that jock jams jock jams uh, <laughs> oh my god that all that jock jams music really is a vibe i hate saying that that's i'm too old to be saying <laughs> that stuff but it really does make you go oh listen to that music well it puts you in the time and like yes. you said Mar- Every single three, like he lets the beat go a bit longer. Yes. Like Jordan, after the first one, Jordan for three, good. After the last one, he's let like feel it all. They, yes, that's his fifth three pointer. Like he's he's bringing you in. It's a masterful call. It really is by he him. Is. One more thing, you talking about things we heard relatively early on. Even I think it's before Jordan even makes a, a three pointer. Magic points it out on the broadcast. Here he's like, Clyde Drexler's playing two to three feet. He's, he's on it immediately. I've he's like, they're inviting, yeah, they're inviting Jordan Let's listen to, to shoot together. the rock. Great call. Let's listen to it. See how Clyde Drexler is playing Michael Jordan. He's not up on him. He's playing like two feet off when he's enticing him to take that jump shot. And right now, Mike is over two from out there. And let's see what happens during the course of the game. Magic, who's like not a great broadcaster, at least at this time, at this, you know, early in his career here after. He had after, just retired. Yeah, yeah, he just retired. Not great uh, at, at the game so far. But calling that out and then it, again, playing out in full view, it is a great call. You're absolutely right. Magic calls that out early now let's get so again this is i described earlier they take a timeout they come out of the timeout pippen gets the steal he misses the layup jordan gets the dunk and then jordan comes back down after that and hits i think that's right in between that i think that's when clyde airballed it correct i i think yeah the tip slam clyde comes he airballs it with like exactly 19 right. on the clock let's listen to that entire sequence unabated from our valbert and the guys That's a fucking world class call. Just that that pitch in between him, like as he gets hotter, in between him releasing the shot of just the crowd. The crowd's already on ten. Yes, and they go to twelve for a minute. 
then it goes and they go to 20. It, it's it's perfect. The the restraint of Fratello and Magic and even Marv to not come over top and be like, oh mm. man, that's so incredible. Or that's a great, I can't believe what I'm seeing or whatever. For them to stay out of this and for it to just be raucous, crazy, incense cheering and Michael Jordan. And then you cap the whole thing with Marv noticing in the moment, noticing the shrug that, and this is what I can't uh, stress enough. If Marv doesn't call that out, there's a chance the director isn't replaying that shrug mm. throughout the rest of the game and at the end, and then it's not on Sports Center, and then it's not—it's something we don't remember. Marv Albert could have missed that. He could have easily missed that, and then maybe the production crew doesn't go, "Oh, replay that shrug thing," because. But Marv mentioning that Jordan, you know, maybe didn't understand what was going on in the game, or, you know how you know what he was feeling in the moment. That is an amazing moment for marv to catch that live yeah because it like as you see as he hits the shot and they come back to it you kind of see like the back of jordan he's done with it. he's already done it yes and i guess the story i don't know if they've ever confirmed the story is is that he was doing it right at magic yeah so it's like maybe you don't get it if magic's not on he's not doing that at fratello you know what i'm saying they don't have that kind of rapport so even magic being there he looks at magic gives the shrug marv catches it immediately and now we have it from every angle Here's Magic on this moment and his involvement in it. I'm working for NBC. I'm covering the finals. So the night before game one, we were at Michael's house playing cards. And he said, you know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to give it to this dude. So he hit that first three. And then here come the second one. Michael didn't want anybody to have nothing over him. It's magic being a part of this, like having another Hall of Fame legendary player sideline. He just wrapped up his career. Magic's HIV positive. Everybody presuming he's going to die at this moment. For him to be at the side of this court and for Jordan to look at magic in this moment, for that backstory of them playing cards the night before, that's a really additive part of this moment. It is. It's something that's another thing. I don't know if we. I don't know if we'll ever get that again. Yeah. Like Ahmad Rashad and Michael Jordan are friends. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. friends. And I think they're different, like reporters and athletes. You get friendly. You might even do like a pie. Like, you know what I'm saying? You get to that level. Mm -hmm. But I think those guys like legitimate. I think Ahmad Rashad was like at his father's funeral, like those type yes. of friends. Yes. And yeah, I don't know if you get that. I mean, same as him and Magic, but also like, as you pointed out, that's something for me looking back. I was like, I don't think I realized until this moment. Magic had just retired. Yes. He was in the finals last year playing That's against right. this guy. That's right. And retired. Like you said, everybody thinks he's going to die. And now he's calling the game. And yeah, you're not getting, even if that was, you know, another good or very good player, you're not getting that same, the insight. He's not looking over it. Byron Scott or something, right. you know what I'm saying? Right. Somebody the same as Magic. So that that's what Magic brings. But also, let me Fratello and Albert, they're not selling any of Magic's jokes. They're giving him nothing. <laughs> they're giving him diddly. 
Well, so <laughs> there's that, but they're, they're not rolling with any of his punches. I was just going to say it wasn't all roses for Magic during this game. <laughs> they they replay the sixth three-pointer and the shrug, and they, Mar gives the floor to Fratello and to Magic. Let's listen to that moment. Here we go. He feels it. There's nothing else he can say other than the man feels it and lets us know. Here's Magic. Oh, here's the three again. You know, and, and just let us know that, hey, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling good. Now, Magic just completely copied what Fratello said. <laughs> <laughs> A real choke job from Magic there in the moment. Yeah, that's – man, he could have said nothing – like, nothing at all. He was just like, <laughs> man, soak in this atmosphere. <laughs> if he just said that and just let it – breathe but no not not the magic man's finest hour <laughs> to repeat exact nearly exactly what fratello said word for word also, a stinker by fratello to be fair so th- <laughs> to repeat the stinker uh, tough on both guys especially magic in that case <laughs> the next credential you mad rob play my camera on clip here was anybody mad at this moment uh, i love it when someone's pissed off it makes the moment greater for me uh, yes, two people were mad. The first one, Michael Jordan, strangely, was mad. Here's what Jordan <laughs> had to say in his 30 for 30 doc, The Last Dance. Clyde the Glide says we're the two best in the game, but I'm not getting into a war of words with Mike. Clyde was a threat. You know, I'm not saying he wasn't a threat, but me being compared to him, I, I took offense to that. Your, th- your thoughts on that quote? Again, I, I only have the benefit of Hyden. site here right right? i know everything that happened in both of their careers but at the time can you imagine michael jordan's frustration no it's like honestly there shouldn't be another guard on first team with me like that's how far (laughs) and this is to say nothing of clyde drexler who is for sure a hall of fame player in his like in his own right right he said there's still that level (laughs) of divide like again if jordan wasn't beefing with isaiah like that would clyde have been on the right you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's still that level of divide. So Jordan's like, if Clyde thinks we're neck and neck, I'm here to let him know we are not. And it's exactly what he did. It is It is. It is equal parts very, very cool and very, very funny to hear him say, I took that. I took it personally that someone compared this guy to me. That's <laughs> fucking so funny to hear a guy be like. This Hall of Fame, uh, this all-star, all-NBA, got his team to the finals. All that. It's like Le- if LeBron was like, man, I, I mean, I know Kevin Durant's good and all, but it's just the fact that the fact that people think me and this guy are neck and neck. I, I took personal offense to this. You can't. It's very interesting. I Maybe it's it's because of, again, we're looking at it in hindsight. And that came mm-hmm. in the last dance, which was years after the fact. But if someone were to say something like that now in a game, it would be seen as gaslighting. It would be like a Dylan Brooks, like he mm-hmm. said this to go viral. Like right. it would, it would all. But it, you're listening to Michael Jordan twenty years after the fact, be like, I got pissed off when somebody compared me against this other guy who was very, very good on the dream team, made two finals in a row, and it pissed me off that someone compared me to that guy. That's so funny. It is because there's. Other clips of, of Magic Johnson later, he's talking about how Michael Jordan's the best player ever. This is before Jordan has won a ring. Yes. He's just like, Michael Jordan's the best player ever. This is while Magic's still in his prime. Mm. Kareem is still playing or had just retired. And Magic Johnson is like, oh, that, no, that's the best guy ever. Has not played in the finals game yeah. yet. So again, Jordan's like, 
Like, no, I'm still that guy. Like, you can be second, but you have to acknowledge <laughs> the gap between there's, one and two. There's, uh, you, in a, in, in a private conversation, cigars, late night, Michael Jordan, there's no chance in hell Michael Jordan believes LeBron is as good as he is, right? No, I don't think he believes anybody. Yeah, that's fucking cool. That's really fucking cool. Uh, and who am I to say he's wrong? <laughs> who are we to say? Uh, the other you mad, the other person mad in this moment, Terry Porter. Let's listen to what Terry Porter had to say after the game. You make your first couple, you're just kind of um, anxious to launch some more, and he definitely was in the zone. Uh, I don't know if he reminded me of myself. I give Michael a lot of credit for a lot of ability, but I don't think he can match my three-point shooting. <laughs> Do you hear the energy in the room after... <laughs> Shit reporter says that that sound in the room from those reporters is amazing. Listen, also, during the game, one Terry Porter was going off during that game. Like they, he said, I thought for the conference finals, he set the record for most threes in a series. He set that the previous series, right? In the previous two series, he was like twenty six and eight to the point. Where I was like, was Clyde Drexler good at all? <laughs> was his own like if Jordan bricks a couple of those threes? Is this just the Terry Porter show? Because he was getting buckets early. He was. He had a great game. Uh, it is very funny to listen to a bunch of uh, reporters laugh at him though in the middle of a that's that's tough. Uh, next credential, the test of time. This is when we compare this moment against other moments like it in history. I started looking at threes in a short period of time. Ch- Chandler Parsons had six in one quarter, six threes in one quarter, Man. and ten and a half in 2014 against the Grizzlies. Again, I go, he shrugged, and he hit a bunch of threes. How many threes did he get? He only hit six. Chance, Chandler Parson had six in one quarter and ten and a half against the Grizzlies. If Chandler Parson in that game had shrugged or done something, would we remember the Chandler Parsons game in the same way? No, but respectfully, we weren't going to remember any Chandler Parsons <laughs> in game. Res- respectfully, we would... I, you saying that to me, I didn't know he had ever hit six, in, six and a quarter. That's what I'm saying. Like I have no, I had no fucking clue. Like Clay also had ten and a half against Chicago. I had nine and a quarter against Sacramento. That's from the 37 point quarter. That's in the first Bell Hall of Fame. But Chandler Parson had six and one quarter. Jordan had six and a half. Chandler Parsons had six and a quarter and ten and a half. I had no clue. I've never remembered it. Obviously, like it, it being Michael Jordan is a big deal, but. It's crazy to think about how the sh- it is. It really boils down to that shrug, that him shrugging. It might be the clearest definition, the clearest illustration of this podcast. It is singularly a moment that guy, he literally just shrugs. There have been other games like it. There have been plenty of statistical games that are better than it. It really boils down to Michael Jordan shrugged and the rest of you did not. Also, this is Jordan's second shrug of that game. I saw it too. Did you see when he's walking off the court? After he hits the fifth three, he's walking back with Horace Grant, and he looks at John Paxson and gives like the light, like, "Hey, what, do you, what can you do? I'm hot." I agree. That's after the fifth one, and after the sixth one, that's when he goes for, like palms to the sky, like, "What, what the fuck?" So that. Multiple shrugs I, in this game. I love that you spotted that. I saw it as well. It's a little half shrug, and it makes mm-hmm. – part of my brain went, 
does that cheapen the second shrug? I I'm going the opposite way. I I, I think it intensifies it. I completely agree. It it really is him wondering what's going on. Yeah, he's like, I, listen, I don't know either. Yeah, like in all of this, he and his teammates are still like in awe. Yes, that Michael Jordan has hit five threes to this point. The next credential is the press conference. Any great quotes? Let's listen to a clip from Michael Jordan's airtime. I was in a groove. I was in a rhythm that I can't really explain. I started hitting threes like they were free throws. The rim seems like a big old huge bucket. I just looked at Marvin and, and Magic and those guys. What can I say? I mean, it's not me. It's just a, just a moment. This is the greatest performance maybe ever in the history of this league. I mean, that's fucking Look, They didn't say that after Chandler Parsons' 10 threes. <laughs> this is maybe so. That's, that's why his is disqualified. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, what a sequence from that movie. Uh, just uh, the use of music, the sound bites, the Chicago announcers, uh, Jordan himself, name-dropping magic. I mean, what a sequence of that uh, movie. And, and again, I love any mention of the word zone, the idea of being in a zone. Also, Jordan is consistent. Anytime he talks about this, he talks about how the threes felt like free throws. He just, he really wasn't understanding what was happening. There's an authenticity to that shrug that is hard to, to beat. Yeah. Because again, this is what many have called like the greatest player of all time at that point. He's like 30 years old, maybe 31 at that point. So to still be in like, if Steph just started dunking from the free throw, like we we're in all, like Steph couldn't make seven threes in the court. We'd be in all, but that's what you do. You're the best at this if he just starts drop stepping from the free throw line like steph curry has six free throw line dunks in the same game that's where it'd be the similar level of i i don't i'm just jumping from the free throw line now uh the next credential is the x factor do you have an x factor for this game tyler can i pitch you mine ed please yeah while i think i'm listening you brought it up and I couldn't agree with you more. And I've been waiting to bring him up. Ahmad Rashad is the best sideline reporter ever because he was genuinely funny and entertaining, but he had real access. He was real friends with these guys. He was very good friends with Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. And it's his fingerprints are all over this game and deepening your appreciation of Michael Jordan. 
early in the game, I'm sure you saw it. Ahmad Rashad ends up talking to a guy by the name of George Kohler. Let's listen to that together. <laughs> yeah. Ahmad Rashad back at Chicago Stadium. Now, eight years ago when Michael Jordan was drafted here, you know, no one, nobody sent anybody to the airport from the Bulls to pick him out. And this man, George Kohler, found him wandering around the airport. Well, I wasn't really wandering around the airport. He stepped off the airplane. I was standing there waiting for him. Strictly by accident. And you happen to be a chauffeur at that point? At that point, yes. I had my own company and went out there to pick up a customer. The guy never showed up, and Mike was the last guy off that airplane. So I asked him if he needed a ride. He said yes. And it worked out very well. You've been his personal assistant now for eight years. Eight years, yes. All right, George. Thanks a lot. Mark. That's just not a moment and a story you're getting from anyone other than Ahmad. Yeah, even before the game, he's like, he's talking about how Jordan hurt his or had the yes. bum wrist. Yes. He's like, no, he's feeling pretty good. We were lifting weights this morning. Yes. Michael Jordan and I. <laughs> and that's the, I feel like at the, he throws it back to Marv and, uh, uh, and Fratello. And I feel like at the time, it's, it's like, oh, he's rubbing it in his face, rubbing it in our face that he's Jordan's friend. Now, that's like, this is the access that we, we prefer to hear it as direct from yes. the player's mouth as possible. 100%. Amar Rashad was just, had that at the time. He was just that good. I mean, it's still that good. And that George Kohler, I start digging into the George Kohler story. George Kohler in The Last Dance is lower thirded. His, you know, it says George Kohler's name. And then underneath his name, it says he's titled as Jordan's personal assistant and best friend in The Last Dance. That's a hell of a promotion. I'm like, is this, <laughs> I'm like going to look for this story to, to get proof of it. Uh, I saw more about George Kohler. He said, this is from an ESPN article. I told him if you need he this is Kohler to talking about Jordan. I told him if you need to know of any places to live, restaurants to eat, you want to go out for a beer, you've got a friend in Chicago, and oh by the way, congratulations on your gold medal. This is eighty four. This is the first moment <laughs> that Kohler meets Jordan. Congratulations on your gold medal. Two weeks later, Kohler's phone rang. Quote: I heard Georgie, my boy. Kohler recalled, "I'm going. Who's this?" And he says. It's MJ. I said, I don't know any MJ. And he says, yes, you do. And I'm like, I'm not going to argue. I don't know who this is. And he's like, you dumb shit. It's Michael Jordan. <laughs> I love the day. Like, there was no caller ID. Of course, yeah. Oh this guy's yanking MJ. I don't know any MJ. Only in the 80s. Yeah. Jordan asked Kohler to pick up his parents from the airport the next day for his first game and the two struck a handshake deal with Col George Kohler taking Jordan back and forth to O'Hare for road games all season after which they would return to Jordan's townhouse in Northbrook, Illinois where they would spend hours talking. This is, uh, that is amazing and it really speaks to uh, what a loser you have to be to be that good at basketball, right? <laughs> Like you think about I, Jordan and Kobe, they had fucking no friends because you don't have time for friends when well, you're I, that I, good. Put, at something. Jordan did. I think Jordan is maybe the most regular, yes, megastar, right? Maybe ever, right? Because the he was he wasn't a, he wasn't a prodigy. Yeah, he's a regular. He liked to drink, talk shit. His fan, like they fixed stuff with their hands. They just like normal Southern. I feel like I know families like the Jordan yeah. family. They're as regular as can be. Only one of their kids is 
probably the best best uh, best basketball player of all time. <laughs> Outside that, they're pretty they're pretty normal people. <laughs> Fixing stuff with your hands is, is very funny. Uh, uh, they the the George Kohler thing. Uh, I again, I'm just reading about George Kohler nonstop. George Kohler told <laughs> Terry Pluto of the Akron Beacon Journal in 1988 that Jordan orders a quarter pounder with cheese a large order of fries and an orange drink at McDonald's. Uh, Terry Pluto told him uh, uh, that he orders it at the drive-thru. And then when they drive around to get it, um, Jordan is the one that takes it. Everyone loses their mind in, inside the restaurant. And then the two of them drive off a perfect McDonald's order from Michael Jordan. I have That's to <laughs> the orange drink on top of the large fries. And the he's a regular guy. I'm <laughs> telling you, he's a- <laughs> George is the most regular. Again, only only could a regular guy even be like, yeah, you could take yeah you could take me home, like off that. I don't know who you are. You might be a, a, a creep, a sick. Yeah, pick up my parents. You seem nice enough. That's yeah. regular. That's southern hospitality ingrained yes. in his mind. It's like yes. this guy's probably fine. Yes, I'll let you. I'll take you to my house. What's the worst that could happen? And and the the orange drink and a large order of fries the quarter pounder. What an what a normal all American guy Michael Jordan is, except for the fact that again, maybe the best in his craft ever uh, of all time. Um, and he hates you know people comparing other players against him. Outside uh, that, he's just you or me. Just he's just you or me. me. Uh, back to Ahmad and the X Factor. Here's Ahmad uh, later in the game, talking to Michael's father James Jordan. So let's go over to Ahmad. All right, thanks, Mark. I'm joined now by James Jordan, and we have talked about Michael being focused in the past, but today, this is ridiculous. Well, I'll tell you, today this kid has shown that he eat his Wheaties, drink his Gatorade, and he's wearing his Hanes underwear. I mean, pretty fucking good. For James Jordan to have that on deck, that's pretty good. See, again, like now, it's re- everybody's been corporatized. Yes. Now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So this was really was... Just a dad being like, let me, you know what would help my son Michael Jordan out? Let me do, let me do him a solid. We're drinking our Gatorade. We're wearing our Hanes. We want to be like my, like he's just, let me, let me do my part in helping with the empire, son. It, it also, I, I want to quickly talk about the Hanes part of this. It feels <laughs> like uh, my, my good friend, Michael Torpy, who's co-hosted on the show before he got, was in the Michael Jordan spot with. Um, Michael Jordan when Jordan had that uh, Hitler mustache mm. uh, so I think a lot about the Haynes um, partnership and branding uh, with Michael Jordan is there another you know it's weird because I feel like you could make a joke about Michael Jordan promoting something as plebeian as Haynes undershirts like six to a pack like ten dollar mm-hmm. You know, for the full pack undershirts, like you could be like, why is he promoting this like these shit T-shirts? But there's <laughs> actually something like very powerful about being associated with such a normal, gigantic he's a regular brand. guy. He's a regular guy. <laughs> he wear I'm, he wear Hanes just like you and me. He eat McDonald's. He eat his Wheaties. He drink Gatorade. It's just after that. He goes and dunks from the free throw line. He hits six three pointers in a game. Before that, it's that's who they're selling to the regular yeah. guy, like Michael Jordan. I feel like NBA players today are like, you know, they're promoting luxury brands and stuff. Mm-hmm. I want a guy that's got the balls to go. I fucking promote these fucking you know, 
$2.50 t-shirts. They're the best. <laughs> you remember when Kevin Love was doing ads for milk? Just milk and just... <laughs> just not, a, not a brand. Yeah. Not like Daisy or Dairy. Not a brand. Just milk on the whole. The concept of milk. Yeah, he's like, milk. I, I fuck with it. <laughs> the other X Factor for me, uh, late in this game, Robert Pack has a crazy dunk. <laughs> And Scott Williams loses his mind on the sidelines. It's a fan, you know, one of those Robert Pack dunks. If you're old enough to remember 90s basketball, you remember Robert Pack dunks. I got to say, Scott Williams in itself, he play, he might be the X factor. He came in and was giving some good first quarter. <laughs> he might have been like a like undrafted rookie at that point. It's just like, yeah, game one of the finals, play ball. <laughs> the, the Bulls had all, all those guys, all those role player guys, uh, Cliff Levingston, Scotty Hansen played in this game. Uh, Will Purdue is on the bench of this game, which makes me go, Will Purdue never played during this game? And you're like, well, no, Cartwright started. But then the second Cartwright gets shipped out, they take their bench guy and move him up to starter. Like, those, <laughs> that is gone from today's NBA. The guy that, like, sits on the bench and it's like, oh, now the guy that was above me got, you know, moved to a different team or retired or whatever happened. And now I get to step up and I assume mm -hmm. the starting role. That does not happen. There are a ton of guys like that on the Bulls team uh, that that all had serious moments in, in playing time in these games. Yeah, and like you meant, like Hanson and Scott, those guys were like first quarter minutes. Yeah, for sure. And when, when Portland was up, so this wasn't like a yeah, oh yeah, let's yeah. let's let's rest our guys. This yeah, is so Phil Jackson said either I trust you guys or the starter. Y'all not getting it done. I'm willing to go to whoever yeah. on the bench, and they gave good minutes. Uh, Trill, did you see the movie Air? I did. What'd I did you watch think? that one? What'd you think? I thought it was I didn't know a whole lot going into it so I didn't know yeah. you know how much they would get into like the actual athletic side but I appreciate that they didn't yes. I thought it was interesting the side like the story that they told so I I thought it was a good watch I did too I thought it was a really like simplified you know you mentioned it in relation to KD it was a very simplistic telling but an, a, a a good telling of that story I really enjoyed it I saw it got nominated for a Golden Globe which I thought was interesting I'm curious to see how it'll do over award season, but I really enjoyed it. I thought Damon was good. I thought Chris Tucker was good. Oh, and um, Viola Davis is fucking amazing. Mm. Like to me, she should 100% be nominated for best supporting. Uh, I mean, I don't give a shit about those awards, but uh, if you're going to give a best supporting actress award out, Viola Davis has got to be on that list. Yeah. I feel like it, for whatever she's in, but particularly in this role. This was like, yeah, like you said, a, a simplistic enough story. It's like, yeah. let's get some stud actors and just have them show what they got. Yeah. And I, I like it wasn't too long. They didn't get too deep into the weeds. Uh, yeah, it was a good good watch. Uh, and I think I read that. I Maybe I heard it or I read it. I probably heard it because I don't read any more than I have to. You know what I'm saying? No, uh, I think Jordan, when they t approached Jordan about this movie, he requested Viola Davis to play his mom, which is fantastic. It's one of those like, who, who else? Unless my actual mother is going to do it, who else but Viola Davis? <laughs> yeah. uh, Trill, I see the time is almost running out on us. It's time for more important. It's America's favorite podcast segment. I'm about to ask you a series of questions. Your answer to these questions are all far more important than anything we've talked about so far in this episode. Are you ready for more important? I'm ready. We just talked about the movie Air. What is your favorite movie of this year so far? It might be recency biased, but I did just watch. I'm a huge Barry Sanders fan, so bye-bye, Barry. Is it really, really good? Really enjoyed it. I that. haven't seen it yet. 
I'm a Barry Sanders super fan, so that I really enjoyed that one. Next question, more important. Favorite 90s television show? We're talking about Jordan. We're talking about the 90s. You have a favorite 90s television show. Does it have to have started in the 90s? No, no, no. Uh, I, I got to go Simpsons then. That's probably mine. A great answer. Do you have a favorite 90s celebrity who's maybe a bit of a time capsule? Maybe somebody that has that doesn't no longer exists in you know the <laughs> the pop culture lexicon today, but was a monster during the 90s. Anybody that you like that was 90s specific? Man, you know the first name that came to mind was Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> Weird, Weird Al, Al Yankovic. Because it's one of those like now. I mean, everybody has so much access to put out or make music you can make, you know, parody or whatever. But at the time, it was like he was just murdering the hits, man. And, and they all they, they all bang. It was Michael Jackson or whatever. Al was just on top of it. And I don't know. He's just famous in a very 90s way that I don't know if anybody will ever be that kind of famous. It's it's interesting. It's interesting in that he did a thing and became very very successful from it, and no one could follow in his footsteps. Like there was right. nobody else to follow him. He was singular, and that speaks to how incredible he is, uh, and still is today. Earlier we talked about your favorite dunk, and one of my favorite dunks, the Stromal Swift, uh, absolute boof on fucking Tyrus Thomas. Do you have a favorite pass? I try to cycle through some, but the one that always comes back. I know you. Remember, they used to show, like, the old NBA film stuff. I don't remember if this is an NBA or an international game even. But Arvidas Sabonis catches one, like, at the free throw line, throws it backwards, and just holds it. <laughs> just holds it. Just like that. The whole play, oh. like, the ball went exactly where it was supposed to go. Bucket. Everybody, they're coming back, and he's still just holding it. So that's, that might be my favorite pass. That's rare you are so specific in such a delightful way for me to ask that question of you for you to not have prepared for this answer and for you to pull that arvidas sabonis moment is just perfect trill withers a fantastic answer again thank you for being on the show uh who's the best nba announcer do you have a a favorite nba announcer i think mike breen is getting there he's really mike breen is fantastic it doesn't matter the game it doesn't matter who he's with I feel like he, maybe better than anybody ever, knows the like, I guess pacing yes. of the game. He knows he can't he can't let like the bang go in the second quarter. Right. He he might not even be a game for one, because you have everyone counts, and I think he has mastered that. So I, Mike Breen comes to mind. I love it. He he he. You know, people say that about LeBron all the time. Like, don't don't take LeBron James for granted. I think we mm. we should feel the same way about Mike Breen. He is 100 as good as it gets. 100%. He, I also, I guess there's more analyst side, and I don't know if this is controversial. I love when Hubie Brown calls a game. I do, too. I love when Hubie Brown calls a game. I know he gets some, some flack on social media, but I'd, I've probably learned more about watching basketball from Hubie yes. Brown than anybody, any analyst, and I feel like that's that's the goal, right? Yes. Teach. I love it. Uh, do you have an opinion on Bill Walton as, a, as an analyst guy? I like Bill. It's... I think Bill works better like three man booth. Yes, two man yes. booth Bill is too much. It's too much studio space to explore, and he will explore that studio <laughs> space. Which is, but it, like if it's a stinky game, you want him yes to explore that studio space. Yes. I think a three man where they can just kick it to him because he, I mean, he has great analysis and clearly knows the game. So I, I like Billy in the, the three man booth 
where he can like he can get his rambling off, but there's also some like some structure to him. You might be the Michael Jordan of more important. These are phenomenal <laughs> answers. And the, the Bill Walton thing is just me riffing and doing a follow-up, and then you go, he's better in a three-man booth. You're absolutely right. I completely agree with you. There's a great tweet about Walton um, talking about the Colorado River during a game. <laughs> there's just some of that, like, you know, earthy, on drugs, Grateful Dead, Bill Walton stuff that I don't mind hearing from time to time, right. particularly in, like, a slow, regular season game. I'll also, but I'm also a person like I miss Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson on the call because I, I enjoy tangents that they don't have to do with basketball. Like I, so I appreciate that. So if he's talking about the Colorado River or <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy's talking about like the the price of a haircut these days, <laughs> I appreciate that. I don't need it to be all X's and O's. Uh, next question: Pound for pound, who's the hardest dunker of all time? I mean, I, Strowman might have to be mentioned just like with the sound, <laughs> the sound he makes rims make but i would have to i gotta go rain man sean kemp i love it or dom or dominique those are the they're both very good there's something about how stringy sean kemp is and how hard he still yaks it that has now i believe we're now two for two on that question i think the last person i asked that to also answered sean kemp it's a phenomenal answer and it might be the the correct answer you know overall yeah i was trying to think like Zion, I mean Zion dunks hard, but I'm, I don't, not like Kim, not like dumb. They were angry at the rim. Yeah, it felt like. Uh, all right, last question, more important. Trill Withers, name something that really kicks ass. I gotta say, I'm on kind of a tea kick lately. I just been drinking any tea I can find, and I'm, I feel like I'm very late to the party. So tea kicks ass. I'm sorry, I've been missing out for. <laughs> thousands of years um has anyone heard about this this tea so right now tea tea kicks ass phenomenal more important from trill withers the next credential is our co-sign the floor is yours trill does michael jordan shrug belong in the first ballot hall of fame and why yes i think the michael jordan shrug definitely belongs first ballot hall of fame because it, one, we could say the shrug alone. I don't even need to say Michael Jordan's name. Yep. If I said the shrug, yep. people would know yep. what I'm talking about. I think it in a long career of hit, like of moment after moment after moment, it stands out to me because it's the star was still on the ascent. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Again, this is right before ring number two mm -hmm. of six. So he wasn't the the Jordan we would even know him as like a couple years later where he's one of the most famous people in the world, Space yeah. Jam, 70 yeah. wins, all that. He's still, I got one ring, I'm still looking for another. And the shrug identifies that time, that series, that ring immediately. So for that, for the, I mean, the presentation, the, the other stuff we've mentioned, but it, just saying the shrug alone and people knowing what that means, what that references, I think that makes it first ballot. It's time for the induction speech. That's when I get to decide where this thing goes in. Listen, uh, I could take everything that Trill said and throw it into the trash if I want to. I'm not going to. I think he's a fantastic guest. We have all we all have a lot to learn from Trill with us. That's that's your take home for today. I believe that Michael Jordan owns this move. It's like a thing. It's like a gesture that any person on the entire planet can use, and it's like universally understood. But if you do it while playing sports, 
That is Michael Jordan's. And I don't know when it will stop being Michael Jordan's, but it'll be long after I'm dead. I'm 100% certain about that. He owns the shrug. The second thing, Jordan during that airtime movie, him saying it was the moment, he really sort of tees up the thesis statement of this podcast. He does not understand what happened in this moment, and he's acknowledging it. After a while, I just looked at Marvin and, and Magic and those guys. What can I say? I mean, it's not me. It's just the, just a moment. He is acknowledging that there are moments in sports, in games, and particularly in this finals game one, that are bigger than even Michael Jordan. Who am I to tell Michael Jordan he's wrong? This thing is goes in to the first ballot Hall of Fame. Congratulations to Michael Jordan, Terry Porter, Scotty Pippen, Trill Withers, Phil Jackson, everybody else, uh, uh, the 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 Benny Bobby the Hansen. Bull, Bobby Hansen, <laughs> Cliff, Scott Williams, Scott Williams, Cliff, Cliff Levis, Craig Hodges, Craig Hodges. This moment, the shrug is going into the first ballot Hall of Fame. Congratulations, much deserved. Much deserved. Trill, what are you working on? Uh, how, how can people follow you? Tell us a little bit again about uh, shooting. Uh, you can follow me, Tyler. I am on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you do your social media ing. And for Sheet and Tyler, that will be dropping after the new year. I'm dropping some some clips on the Underdog NBA channel, which is Underdog NBA on YouTube. If the people, I mean, I, if they want to hear Rasheed Wallace talk about the time David Stern hold over them, threaten their draft position. Uh, I don't know if anybody wants to hear about that. But if they do, the Underdog NBA YouTube channel is where you can find us. That's fantastic. Make sure you follow and support Trill Withers. He's the best. He's as good as anyone that's ever done it on the bird. That That's not I'm up honored. for debate. Not I'm up honored. for debate. Thank you so much, Trill, for being on the show again. I appreciate it. Uh, of course. Appreciate you, man. That's it. That's the show. May Trill Withers live forever. At Tyler, I am. Hit Underdog Fantasy on YouTube. Sheed and Tyler in the new year. You got to check it out. He's as good as it gets. My thanks to Trill for coming on again. This will be the last new episode of 2023. We're going to run a holiday classic of First Ballot next week. Our first week in 88 straight weeks that we're taking a break. 88 straight weeks of new episodes of the first ballot hall of fame podcast but i'm giving the team a one week break what a boss what a goddamn boss i am heart of gold i tell you thanks to you all for listening to us wishing you peace and good health in the new year i really appreciate all of you for supporting the show i hope you all do me a favor rating and reviewing us it will help us a bunch thank you so much credits my love and thanks to rob bob bobby arucci who edits the show jessica sang who produces it ej kavasal is the new guy david stramskis is our balls like producers all the beats on first ballot are made by my guy rhythm jay follow him on social at rhythm jay shout out to kuya dro stacks on twitter i appreciate him listening to our show following the socials and commenting on the shows i appreciate you sir happy holidays if you celebrate remember the new year it's just a construct and please keep listening to first ballot new episode soon oh my goodness